Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And the smug, condescending way that he just spews this poison out is very, very dangerous because he won't stop Trump, but he's going to outlive Trump by about 50 years. And you're watching the rise of an American demagogue that is a very, very despicable person. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, literally, I, I, was, I was shaking listening to him talk because a lot of people don't know that is one step away from Nazi propaganda coming out of his mouth. But the you good were thing, Van, shaking you could- listening to Vivek Ramaswamy in the debate. Van Jones, you were shaking. Can we stop for just a moment with the pseudo-intellectualism? There are things Van Jones says I agree with and I disagree with. There are things Van Jones has said in support of Israel and against the attack on Jews in America that I am very thankful for. But this is silliness. This is CNN silliness. And I'd like the silliness to stop because I've got a guy firing off a shotgun screaming free Palestine in Albany, New York in front of a synagogue. And I'm not shaking. I'm just telling people to buy guns and buy ammo and get trained. Let me say it again for the people in the cheap seats. Buy guns, buy ammo, and get trained. And for all of the Jews out there, guys, you got to forgive me. You got to forgive me. No, I am not shaking, but yes, I am disgusted. And I try never to allow the real, real personal feelings, although I share everything with you, I never try and allow that to, to override everything. But I am tired of, of, of these liberals. I am tired of these Democrats. And I am tired of people, as you are, who don't recognize that the threat is real and the threat is against them. They're firing off shotguns in front of synagogues and you think synagogues should be gun-free zones. You get mad at me when I bring a firearm to synagogue. You want to stop me from not being a soft target, which all places of worship are, whether it be on a Friday night or a Sunday morning. I want to protect myself, protect my family and go home alive and you think I should be a sitting duck. The guy with the shotgun in Albany. This happens, by the way. Did I say hello, Tony Katz? Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Mufid Fawaz al Qadr, a 28-year-old, charged Friday with possession of a firearm by a prohibited person, showed up to the synagogue screaming, free Palestine, and fired the shotgun. That guy wants to kill you. Now, you'll forgive me in the part where I'm asking some some forgiveness beforehand is that I might not be talking to you specifically because you know to protect and defend yourself. You understand the value of the Second Amendment. But it's very clear that my people, my people, specifically Jews, they haven't figured this out yet. Now you say to me, Tony, that's impossible. We saw October 7th. How could you have not figured this out yet? Well, it's because they think that they are somehow immune by these things. That that's something that happened over there, but it won't happen to them because they're good and they're caring and look how supportive they've been. No recognition that groups like the Council of American Islamic Relations, CARE, or the Islamic Society of North America don't give a damn about what happens to Jews. As a matter of fact, they're happy with it. This is Nihad Awad. He is the executive director 
for the Council of American Islamic Relations. In his own words, the people of Gaza only decided to break the siege, the walls of the concentration camp on October 7th. And yes, I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land and walk free into their lands that they were not allowed to walk in. He was happy that Hamas murdered 1,200 plus Israelis and others on Israeli land. He was happy. You know who works with this group? The White House has them as part of some kind of anti-Semitism work group. They worked with CARE regarding anti-Semitism strategy. Finally, they've cut ties with CARE because of this. Every single one of you, now I'm speaking to the Jews, every single one of you ridiculous people who has worked with this interfaith group and that interfaith group and we're standing up for gay people and we're standing up for black people and we're standing up for Muslims, all of these groups were not there for you. They don't give a damn what happens to Jews. Only Christians seem to care what happens to Jews. I don't even know if there are enough Jews who care what happened to Jews. This is what they think. This is what their leadership is espousing. This was a statement on November 24th, well over a month after the attack on October 7th, the murders by Hamas. And by the way, Note his language. Go back to the beginning. The people of Gaza only decided to break the siege, the walls of the concentration camp on October 7th. And yes, I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land. He refers to Hamas as the people of Gaza. So I will not listen to anybody who says to me that free Palestine isn't about the terrorist organization Hamas. The leader of the Council of American Islamic Relations has told you that the people of Gaza are Hamas and Hamas are the people of Gaza. So when people refer to Gaza and the and people within as terrorists, as uh, people who have been taught from an early age to hate Jews and hate Israelis, well, that's clearly the truth. That is as obvious as the nose on one's face. These are the facts as presented, and it doesn't matter what some troll on Twitter says. These are the facts. It will take a generation or two to get the people of Gaza not to hate Israelis and not to hate Jews. And that's because it will take a generation or two of not having that inculcated and taught at every school madrasa that there is. Why do you think the Jews wandered in the desert for 40 years? Well, they didn't know how to get where they were going. You had to get rid of the slavery mindset. And so if you want to have a two-state solution, you have to get rid of the mindset that Israel is your enemy. And you have to get rid of the mindset that you have to kill all the Jews, which is clearly the mindset of Hamas, which is the people of Gaza. 
the whole concept of free Palestine and the Palestinians are different than Hamas has been called and declared a lie by the executive director for the Council of American Islamic Relations. But never mind all that. Never mind all that. Let us be as honest as the day is long. That my issue, our issue, Western culture's issue, isn't the Council of American Islamic Relations. It isn't even Hamas. Although it is both of those things. It is liberalism in the United States that wants to excuse behavior like this and the people who support people like this. It is, you heard the story of the bathroom, right? Where this woman wants to use the bathroom and, and the people in the coffee house won't let her. Well, the story is, is that she had used the bathroom and she saw that there was uh, uh, graffiti in there, a free Palestine, anti-Israel graffiti. But maybe you didn't hear how uh, the, the baristas, because she wanted to go back in with her, her phone and she wanted to take video of the stuff and they were trying to stop her. Oh no, you can't come in here. No, 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 you use another bathroom. You can't come in here. They refused her entry. Well, did you hear how they spoke to her? First, you've got these two women. I assume they're women. Very portly, very unattractive women. Well, what? Well, I'm not allowed to say that they were portly. I'm just describing them. They are, to me, portly and unattractive. That, that, that's how I describe them. Portly and unattractive, wearing masks, saying you can't enter. Here, listen. Bathroom, we've given you all your food. I want to go you into the restroom. So, right. Also, currently, this is a private Man. property. I, I want to go into the restroom. restroom. I do need you to leave. But she had already been in the restroom. But because she wants to record the graffiti, the Free Palestine graffiti, they won't let her back in. That brings us to the guy who is with them, who I assume is trying to get with these two really unattractive portly women because he's got his own fetish. Um, what? Well, I'm not allowed to, that's not allowed to be set. Um, look, I'm, 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 all right, maybe he's not trying to get with the unattractive portly women, which, you know, you know that's, I think that's a, a bit of fat shaming from him personally, and he should have to deal with that. But check out his next statement. I know Israel loves taking private property and saying it's their own, but we got to head. What? I know Israel likes taking private property and saying it's their own. Now, listen, I, I hate it when people mix the metaphor. I got to assume that these are all socialists, nay communists. If they're socialists, they communists, they don't believe in private property anyway. So I, I don't know how they think that that's a that that's a, a insult, be an insult to everybody. It's a weird thing to say. But is there any question about the level of hatred here? About the level of they don't understand the issue from the word go, and yet this is how they approach the conversation. Finally. She's able to get in. She's like, if you if this is the way you feel, why not show everybody? And then they were like, oh, yeah, sure. Take the video and free Palestine. These people support the idea of free Palestine. Listen. It's always. Please leave. Thank you. It's always. Yeah. Great. We love it. Thank yes. you very much. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you very much. Loves the, uh, loves the graffiti. That means, based on what the executive director of the Council of American Islamic Relations has said, 
They support the attack on Israel and they support the murder of Israelis and Jews. And you know what I have? I have Jews in the United States who don't understand that they're under attack. I have got college presidents who think that screaming for jihad, not jihad, genocide. Oh, what's the difference at this point? Screaming for genocide isn't a threat. That's fine on a college campus. But if you use the wrong pronoun, well, then you have to be kicked out of the school. And I have got Jews all across America who applaud the idea that you kick somebody out of school if you use the wrong pronoun. And they're amazed now. Well, wait, this is the call to genocide. This shouldn't be happening. And they're told to sit down and shut up. University of Pennsylvania tells students, maybe hide your religious symbolism. Hide your religious symbolism? Bitch, please. You should be wearing a Jewish star like Flavor Flav wears a clock. Hide your Judaism? Last I checked, my name ain't Anne Frank. And I ain't hiding a holy damn thing. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. And, and this is where, this is where it gets a little personal. To my uh, fellow Jews, and I want you to share this with them, if you would. Uh, To my fellow Jews, I'm tired of you being the dumbest people on the block. I'm exhausted by your leftism and your failure to recognize the Yetzirah from the Yetzirah the evil from the good. They want you dead. They support Hamas. They want to shoot you in your synagogue and you believe I'm wrong for wanting to be armed. You're the problem. You're the problem. And until you get your head out of wherever it is and into the sunshine, you're going to continue to be the problem. You're going to keep voting for the Rashida Tlaibs and the Ilhan Omars and the Andre Carsons and the Jamal Bowmans. You're going to keep voting for the Joe Bidens. You're going to keep voting for the policies that don't protect you and your children. Because you think that that's the side of decency. When do you grow up? And maybe this is not an argument specifically for Jews, but for liberals in general. When do you grow up and realize how wrong you are? The next person who tells me there's no difference between the two parties is going to get a whooping. Of course there's a difference. There's a difference as clear as day. I just described to you the damn difference. It's not a deniable fact. The people who you have been associating with on the political left post-October 7th, want you dead and cheer your death. They want you to hide. They want you to hide your, your symbolism. They want you to hide your menorahs. People in Los Angeles afraid to put up a menorah in their window or even in their kitchen for fear somebody might do something. This is the country you want to live in? Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. There will be no living in fear. None of it. And if you've got a problem with what I've said, first of all, I have a phone number. You feel free to call right in. Secondly, if I can be so bold, I don't give a damn about your problem. It's yours. You know what my problem is? You're going to get my kids killed. And I like my kids. I'm super huge fans of my kids. 
They make me laugh. So, as long as we understand where we're at, as long as we understand that the American liberal is as responsible for the attack on Western civilization as Hamas, I just proved it through their own words and their own associations. Once we get to that baseline, we can do something about this. But one must understand that they have been wrong to support these people and all you have to do is stop, just like you have to stop supporting these college presidents who think chants for genocide are fine. It's only a problem until it becomes an action. You mean like actual genocide? Okay. I know, a a little, uh, even for me, uh, um, a bit of the rough and tumble. But it's necessary sometimes. And now is the time to do what is necessary. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So the payrolls rose 199,000. The unemployment rate goes to 3.7%. And everybody's thinking, all right, soft landing, here we come. I don't, I don't know if that's true. And I don't know why anybody else is believing that that's true. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Oh, I have a cold. I shouldn't be yelling. Maybe I shouldn't be yelling anyway. Just every now and then, just how are you not disgusted? I get it. Uh, look, you, you and I are, are, no, are no different in that regard. You know, except you could turn off your radio. I still have to do this job. And man, I'm just, I'm... So uh, for the last segment, I, look, I, I'm not apologizing for it. I meant every word. Just, uh, I, I can do it without being so loud. So I'll, I'll work on that. Uh, I'll try and keep that as rare as possible. These numbers, hourly earnings uh, increased by 0.4%. Healthcare, the biggest growth industry, adding 77,000. Government added 49,000, not a good thing. Manufacturing, 28,000. Leisure and hospitality, 40,000. And people think that this means that, you know what, we're, we're not going to see the interest rate increases. We're going to keep everything where they are. Maybe we can get a cooling of inflation and a lowering of rates without, without having any level of recession. That would be the soft landing. That would be terrific. I'm not saying I wouldn't love it. I'm totally fine with it. Oh, overjoyed. I just don't know if I believe it. And I don't know why anybody else would necessarily believe it. If we're going to start seeing some good data, I'm excited. I'm happy about it. Although there was a whole conversation that we had earlier this week about 8.7 million jobs available. And people took that in all sorts of ways. I'll share that with you a little bit later in the program. All I'm saying is, is that this is now and this can turn tomorrow. If we start seeing, if we can start showing really some trend line, man, I'm, I'm happy, you'll be happy. I don't, I don't need, you don't need, we don't need a bad economy. But my God, just remember, if, if, this, if things start getting better, it's because uh, Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, didn't give in to Biden's spending insanity. Thank goodness we have all this uh, nonsense going on in Congress. Give the left the power of the purse again. Things will get worse again. This is Tony Katz today. 
recognized for five minutes. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? I would assume she's aware of that. Just like I would assume she would be aware that the chanting of from the river to the sea is a call to genocide. That was Claudine Gay, president of Harvard University, being questioned by Elise Stefanik. That questioning of uh, uh, Gay of Harvard, of the president of MIT, of uh, President McGill of the University of Pennsylvania has now become part of the conversation regarding what's happening on college campuses. That it's one thing to say that we believe that there should be an interchange or an exchange, I, I should say, of ideas. But this is what's okay? Use the wrong pronoun and you're out. Call for genocide and you're cool. If Riley Gaines wants to speak, well, that's unacceptable. But if someone wants to call for global intifada and try and scare you from coming out of your dorm room, that's just fine. Well, it seems like these college presidents, these Ivy League, or as people like myself now call it the ISIS League, uh, they seem okay with this. So the question is, what is the proper response to this? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. William Jacobson joins us right now. Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Be sure to check out the site and all the good work uh, that they do there. Before we get into maybe a conversation about the difference between the role of government and the role of the university, you are a college professor. You have uh, been a professor while being you Uh, and taking all the heat in the world for the past maybe 10 years now. You watch this happen. You watch these university presidents from the Ivy Leagues give this answer. What was your your take? Well, I think it shows really how um, pathetic the leadership of our most elite universities are. These were not impressive people. Uh, It's a wonder that really three top-ranked schools, two in the Ivy League and one not in the Ivy League, but, you know, the premier, you know, science and technology and math institution in the country, uh, really were so unimpressive. They seemed unprepared. They seemed like they had been told what lines to say, and it seems like they were all prepared to say the same lines. And it really, I think that was my takeaway, is this is what's leading our most elite universities that's really sad. Uh, so that was my initial reaction to it. I think it's Bill Ackman, uh, who uh, is a Harvard alumnus and a donor there. Uh, wait, it was Harvard or, yeah, I think it was Harvard, referring to the fact that Claudine Gay, who is a black woman, uh, got her job because of DEI, which I have no idea how she got 
her, her job there. But there's a question of when you talk about not impressive, I think that there are a bunch of people who said that. How did these women end up in these positions if on a very simple subject, they can't say a call to genocide clearly can be seen as harassment? Now let's get into that. A call to genocide is not seen as harassment? Well, you know, I think uh, we also have to understand how these things are happening on the campuses. They're not happening in quiet conversations where people are expressing their views. They're mobs marching through campus with bullhorns, okay? They're marching through libraries. They're interrupting classes and chanting these things. Certainly in that context, it's harassment and intimidation. So this is not a, you know, can you have the viewpoint that, you know, Israel should be destroyed? Uh, Maybe you can have that viewpoint. Can you shout it on a bullhorn while marching with a crowd of 300 people, you know, uh, trying to intimidate everybody around you? I think that's the, the difference here. And I think that's a huge distinction that it's not just what was said. It's the way it is said is meant to intimidate people on campus. And it's particularly meant to intimidate supporters of Israel, and it's particularly meant to intimidate Jewish students on campus, because a lot of these things take place targeting Jewish students, like at Cooper Union, uh, where Jewish students were hiding in the library or some room in the building as these mobs were chanting these things right outside the door. So, in a lot of places, there's attempts to break into rooms, like that high school in New York City, where they tra- trapped a pro-Israel Jewish professor uh, and were chanting these things. So, I mean, these presidents were not, in my estimation, being honest during that hearing. That doesn't mean they committed perjury, but I don't think they were being intellectually honest because they know full well not just what is said and what the intention of what is said, but they know how it is said. And in those contexts, for them to play this game, that it's not intimidation. I think it was the president of MIT, if I'm remembering correctly, said, well, it could be threatening uh, if it's directed at a specific person, but not if it's stated kind of generally. Well, I I disagree with that. When you have a mob of 300 people trapping Jewish students in rooms, chanting these things, that's intimidation and harassment. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Um, it, it, it certainly does make sense, but I want you to, if you could try and, uh, place it for us as you have seen, whether it be at Cornell or other places, use the wrong pronoun. You could be thrown out of, of the school. They'll have whole, uh, assemblies and, and, and forced, uh, learnings, uh, 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 about this. Um, you engage in this cultural appropriation, engage in, in this um uh misgendering engage name the name the thing through the uh dei crt lens and you're gone you've seen this happen in both schools and in the in the in the private sector how do they think that this doesn't apply well i think i think you're right i mean that gets to a a point that a lot of people have making have made that if they want campuses to be you know complete wide open free speech zones Yeah, that would be great, but they're not, okay? Speech is highly regulated. Speech is, they have bias response teams. They have concepts of microaggressions. Uh, Like if you ask somebody, where are you from? That most people would shrug their shoulders. That's not an offensive. But if you were to ask that question 
to an Asian student uh, on campuses, you would be accused of a microaggression or you could be accused of a microaggression, uh, you know, suggesting that they're not, you know, from the United States. Um, there's all sorts of insane regulations of speech on campuses. And then for them to show up and say, well, a, a mob of students with bullhorns chanting intifada, intifada, and we all know what that means, uh, and targeting Jewish students is not intimidation uh, and is perfectly acceptable speech. Uh, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't highly regulate speech so that anything that offends anybody is, you know, a possible infraction and yet make an exclusion for Jewish students. So this gets to a, a, a conversation about the legal concepts regarding free speech. Uh, we, as we engage the First Amendment, it's that government will make no law. So the government can't say to these people, you're not allowed to scream uh, for, for genocide. If you want to chant from the river to the sea, the government cannot stop you. But the university certainly could stop you and it would seem that if there are these other things, as you're discussing them, that we say, well, we don't allow that, it would fit into that case. The, it, it is the difference, can you describe the difference between what the government is allowed to do and what the university is allowed to do? Well, if you're a private university, uh, just like in your house, okay, people may have a right to shout certain things on the street, but they don't have the right to come into your living room and shout them. So private property, uh, obviously is not governed by, you know, those restrictions on the prohibition of restrictions on free speech, but the government is. Now, I think it was the woman from uh, MIT again, I'm forgetting which one said what, but I think it was MIT said, well, we construe um, our speech policies uh, to be consistent with the First Amendment. So some schools, and apparently that school says that, you know, if it's allowed under the for, for, uh, First Amendment, meaning if we, the government can't stop you from doing it, we don't stop you from doing it. But we know that's a lie. <laughs> okay, We know that's a lie on every campus. I don't know if there's a, a single campus which would allow you to say openly on campus things that are offensive to various you know, identity groups. But you have a constitutional right to say them. But there isn't a single campus where you can say them without getting in trouble. So that they're just not being truthful about how they regulate speech on campuses. And that's part of the problem. You are now seeing, and it's Sally Kornbluth, who's the president of, of MIT, you're now seeing the backlash. There has been a conversation that uh, Liz McGill, president of University of Pennsylvania, might lose her gig. Uh, you saw uh, her what looked like a hostage video apology. Uh, you've seen Claudine Gay, president of Harvard, with a really non-apology kind of kind of statement uh, regarding her her remarks on on campus anti-Semitism. In the college world, has there been from the alumni and donors? I mean, we hear about them here and there, bits and pieces of things. Has there really been a, hey, we're not putting up with this crap anymore. You change or we're out. We're pulling our money right now. Have you seen that in a palpable way? You know, I only know what's public information, and it seems like there have been a number of big donors who have done that. I think there will be a backlash against certain schools. I don't think you're seeing the backlash on campuses. Uh, you're seeing the backlash off campuses from alumni and donors who are usually the same thing. So, yeah, I think there will be, but I don't think these, 
you know, top tier elite universities like MIT, Penn, and Harvard really care. Okay. Uh, maybe they will when you get, you know, eight figure and nine figure donations pulled, but I don't think they really care. They are so insulated from the world. They consider th- themselves above everybody else. They sneer at, you know, most Americans. Uh, so I don't, I think there is a backlash building. I think it's a backlash at the top tier elite schools, but I don't know that it's going to make a difference. And that's the part that uh, I think a lot of people are are at. You, you see uh, these presidents make this statement. Um, some of them were kind of smiling while they were answering the questions from Representative uh, Stefanik. You certainly have heard uh, of people remove large uh, amounts of money, but I haven't seen proof that things will change. I mean, I, I talked about this earlier uh, regarding um, uh, the way Jews vote, for example. I'm Jewish. I, I know you are, of course. Are, are they really going to change the way they vote, uh, the way they vote in, in light of what happened on October 7th and in light of the way that the Progressive Party has really uh, acted in not uh, uh, condemning Hamas, but throwing support their way in groups like the Council for American Islamic Relations and, 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 and others? In your estimation, if you were a betting man, William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com, any of these college presidents going to lose their jobs or change their ways? Well, we know that MIT's president is not because last night the board of trustees of MIT offered a full-blown support of her uh, and backing of her. And so she's not going to lose her job. I don't think Harvard's president is going to lose her job. That would have huge implications because of her identity uh, if they were to fire, you know, a black woman president of Harvard. Uh, the one who I think is at risk is McGill for Penn. Uh, and I'm not sure why she's kind of being singled out by people. Uh, I don't know that her performance was that much worse than the others. I think maybe it was a little bit, but she's being singled out. And I think that's probably a reflection of pre-existing anger about what's happening at UPenn. It really, of the three who are there, it's the worst of the schools. Uh, and I know people who are, you know, alums there and they're disgusted at what's happened. It, Penn is the most active anti-Israel campus among the Ivy League campuses, with the possible exception of Columbia. I think Columbia might be worse, but the president of Columbia wasn't testifying to Congress. So I think that I think that's why. So I think there is a significant possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen. A significant possibility that this is the straw that breaks Liz McGill's back, so to speak, um, using that phrase, that because there was so much upset heading into this about what's happening at Penn, that this might just be too much. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate it. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Just a quick note on the censure of Congressman Jamal Bowman for pulling a fire alarm to try and disrupt the work of Congress. Good, but you could have expelled him and you should have. Along with Rashida Tlaib, along with Ilhan Omar, oh my gosh, there's just so much work to do. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on everybody? 
I know that people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez and others want to make it all racial. Who cares they make everything racial? They're so pathetic. It's pathetic at this stage of the game and they have to be told so. It's not like they're gonna stop. So does it matter how, how you, you respond? Don't respond in a way where you lose your soul, but certainly explain it as it is. It's pathetic to scream racism every time you don't like something. Jamal Bowman pulled a fire alarm to stop Congress from moving forward on a vote. That's what happened. The, the, uh, the, you got the Capitol Police that worked out a plea deal with him. He's pled guilty. He works out the plea deal. That's all done. But then they bring up censure and three Democrats voted for the measure. So the total vote was 214 to 191. Five members voted present. 23 members did not vote. Well, fantastic for that one. Why does it matter? Because we've got rules, people. This is not Vietnam. There's a standard. You don't let the standard go by the wayside. If we're going to argue that it is wrong to stop Congress from doing its work, which is, of course, a January 6th argument, how is it different here? Because nobody was wearing a Viking helmet? If Jamal Bowman had been carrying the podium of the speaker, would that have somehow made it more understandable for the political left? He tried to stop Congress from doing its job because, well, as a progressive, he's just awful. And he got censured for it, which is what's supposed to happen. Hold your people to account. That's what you're supposed to do. But expulsion would have been better. I mean, if you're going to go through this anyway. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.